What's up, Bruin Bible listeners? This is your host, Will Decker. We are brought to you today by the good people at Bet Online. It is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, uh, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, such as MMA and boxing, esports, and even golf. Uh, I'm going to be placing some big-time bets this year. NFL, uh, we're talking about Rams, Chargers, Super Bowl. That's my prediction. Going to be placing some future odds on that. MLB, I might be placing a bet on the Dodgers to make the World Series as well, given the year that they've had so far in the regular season. I'm going to be using it for all my MMA bets. Love it when a good fight's coming up. The Nate Diaz fight coming up this Saturday. Going to be putting a nice wager on that through Bet Online. Head on over to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. What is up and welcome to the return of draft is in session. Will Decker, your host, with your co-host Jamal Madney. We're coming back in style. This is a guy that has worked with LA Football Network in the past. He works for the Draft Network as a whole, former scout of the Chargers, has worked for our beloved UCLA. I mean, how can we not get this guy on here? The man, the myth, the legend. Brentley Wiseman, what is going on, my dude? We are so thrilled to have you on to talk draft. Yeah, we were yeah. loving. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it's never too early to talk NFL draft and specifically talking some West Coast players and, you know, definitely excited uh, to, to speak with you guys. West Coast players it is. And Brentley, you went to Oregon. I could see the, the pennant in the background. What years were you with the Ducks? Were you there in the, the peak era of Chip Kelly or what time was that? So I was actually a freshman during Chip's last year in 12. Then I worked for the team as an undergrad during the Mariota years, which obviously were really good. Went to the National Championship, won the Rose Bowl, uh, won the Fiesta Bowl. So I was there for some good years. Um, unfortunately, Mark Helfrich, you know, took the took over the keys to the car and, and crashed it on the side of the road. So, you know, now here we are four, four, four coaches later. Hopefully we have a guy who wants to stay for the, the, long, the long haul. We'll see. But, um, but yeah, I definitely had some good times at Oregon. Dan Lanning might be the guy in the future, Brentley. We're going to be breaking down L.A.-based prospects. This is the L.A. Football Network after all. Mad Men and I have been crunching tape on some of these guys, looking at different prospects. And the guy we want to start with, Brentley, is the you know reigning Bolitnikoff Award winner, Mr. Jordan Addison coming out here. And it's hard to imagine him putting up a more impressive statistical year than he did last year. 100 catches, close to 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, you know, being the benefactor of Kenny Pickett, the quarterback throwing his way. He was a first-rounder last year uh, going to the Steelers. We're waiting on his arrival in the NFL. But he started off the year hot, 21 catches, 337 yards, 16 yards per catch, and six touchdowns thus far. Just what I see with this guy, Brentley, is the speed, creating separation, and change of direction that – you just can't teach from the wide receiver position. Give me your thoughts on this guy because 
boy, you watch the tape or you watch even the Stanford game from this year, it's yeah. hard not to get excited about this guy. Yeah, so full disclosure, I actually had Jordan Addison as my number three receiver entering this, the, this season. I had uh, Keishon Butte from LSU, who's mm-hmm. an explosive playmaker, not having a great year. That's my number one. Then I had Jack Smith and Jigba, obviously the guy from Ohio State, the guy who had all, all sorts of hype, really good route runner, had some good size, uh, outstanding ball production last year with, with the Buckeyes. And then I had Addison. You know, obviously he's a chance from Pitt. Um, I really liked him. I think I had him number 15 over on my big board. So definitely first-round player, a guy who I think can be a, a, either a lower number one or a high number two at the next level. But let me tell you guys this. He is now my receiver number one. He is number one for me. I think he has helped himself maybe as much as any player in college football. My questions with Addison, because I mean, Will, you said it, you know, there's a lot to like. Um, Outstanding route runner, silky smooth, understands how to step defenders, really good at attacking leverage, outstanding separation quickness, uh, body control, ball skills. Those are all things you love to see. I just felt like he was a little slender. You know, I, what is he, like six feet, uh, you know, buck 80. Yeah, yeah. I, I just felt he was a little light, slight. And I don't know how he was going to hold up against press at the next level. And then additionally, I, I know you mentioned his speed. I actually had a little bit of questions about how actually fast he was in terms of, you know, down the field. I never really see him pulling away from defenders. I take it back. I have to take it back because after watching him torch – Caillou Blue Kelly against Stanford, who's, you know, I liked quite a bit entering the season. I'm just like, okay, this guy actually does legitimately have top-end speed that I maybe didn't see at Pitt. Um, and then just as he plays a lot bigger than he is. You know, you see him win at the catch point. You see him break tackles in the open field. You see the contact balance for a guy who's, who's 180 pounds, 175 pounds. Like, there's nothing this guy can't do. And then for me, it's – the, the competitiveness, the, the the swagger which he plays with. He is the bona fide number one option on, on USC. Opposing defenses know he's going to get the ball. Caleb Williams is force-feeding him the ball. Yeah. And time and time again, he comes up big. And so I really – Jamar Chase, right? You know, I really thought that was probably his best attribute for Jamar was like, when the ball's in the air, it's my ball. I don't give a damn who's across from me. It's my ball. I think Jordan Addison has a lot of those similar – uh, intangibles just from his 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 mindset, the the attitude and the the confidence in which he plays with. I think he's a bona fide number one receiver at this point. I'm gonna move him to. A, I have a mock draft coming out on Sunday. He'll be in my top five. Like I I don't think Ooh. I don't I I don't think he's gonna get on the top five at least for me because there's so many teams that need a receiver. Um, I think he's clearly past JSN and Butte, and I think he's gonna enter you know the actual draft season as an unquestioned number one guy. I love it, man. Madman, do you have any thoughts on Jordan Addison? Yeah, Brentley, you know, the, the comparison out here that, that seems to make a lot of sense with Addison is he reminds us of a young Isaac Bruce because of similar, you know, kind of skill sets, how smooth he is in his routes. You talked about leverage. You talked about separation. And so that's kind of the comparison that comes to mind here, especially from an L.A. perspective. I want to ask you, what is the, the biggest difference in, in Addison's game that you have seen in this one month at USC versus everything he put on tape in his Bolitnikoff year last year at Pitt? What are some of the nuanced differences that has helped elevate things for you? Yeah, for me, I mean, he, he's winning in a lot of the same ways, right? You, you, you see him win over the top. You see him 
playing a quick game and making defenders miss. And we know he's a slippery guy with the ball in his hands, but what really kind of set him over the top for me is again, I did have questions with his deep speed. Mm. Um, I, I just really kind of struggled with him last year at Pitt. I thought he was more of a four or five guy. I, I mean, I really did. I did not see true blazing deep speed in comparison to guys like Boutte, who again, I really like because I think, you know, in the NFL, when everyone's fast, if you have the faster guy, more more times than not, you can win. I just never thought Addison would be the fastest guy, you know, in a track meet. That being said, I, I don't know, if, I don't know if he's getting good training or or what, because I think he looks a step too faster. I really do. I think he looks quicker. I think he looks more elusive. I think he's just looks more overall explosive this year with the USC Trojans, and I, and then I really don't, I can't really speak to why. I just see it on tape and I got to adjust and I, I, I got to count for that. And, and now he's my number one receiver. I love it. And Brentley, obviously when we do the draft comparisons, we're not comparing directly to a guy. It's more shades. Oh, of course. Who it reminds me. I see a lot just to piggyback off Madman's Isaac Bruce take. I see a lot of digs. I see a lot of Antonio Brown raw as a draft prospect there. When you look at the speed, he can win inside, he can win outside. He's a ball hawk. He can take it to the house. I just love everything about this guy. So, Addison, love to hear he's your number one wideout. Hopefully he can stay that way all throughout the season. We got to move to the interior of the line. And, yeah. I, hey, man, I saw your, your mock draft coming into the season. This guy did make the first round a six foot six behemoth of a human being, Mr. Andrew Voorhees, 325 pounds. He's lived up to expectations thus far. He's the number one ranked guard within the Pac-12, according to PFF. I mean, this guy, the term mauler comes to mind when I see him. Just a strong dude. And once he gets you locked in in his arms, it's really hard to get out of that grasp. What have you seen from Voorhees? Because I think this is a guy that can come in and plug and play immediately in the NFL for a, a, a bevy of offensive lines. He had maybe one of the better reps I've seen any player have. I think it was against Stanford uh, in the run game, and he just absolutely destroyed the, the, the three-tech. I mean, picked him up and put him on his back. This guy's a powerful, nasty run blocker. Um, I really liked him coming into the year, and, you know, he, there was a little bit of projection with, with Voorhees. I mean, I thought he had a good year last year, but – um, you know, there, you want to see some things clean up in terms of his balance. I thought he was played over his uh, over his toes a, cu- a couple of times, which, which made him fall off blocks. I thought his sustain was a little questionable last year because, again, when you're over leverage, you tend to kind of fall off late in the down. I thought he just really cleaned that up. I, I thought he's been outstanding in terms of his ability to sustain down the field. Um, you know, his hand use has always been excellent to me. I think he's a technician. I plays a really good balance now. He's a firm anchor and pass bro. This is a thick kid, you know. I I think you know he's obviously a guy who has can 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 take power through the midline. Um, I, I really I really appreciate this guy's game. I think he's a consistent player. Um, you know, fitting in him in the first round was a bit of a stretch, admittedly. Um, you got to be a pretty dominant interior offensive lineman to go that high in the first round. And unfortunately for Voorhees, you know, where I think he's going to get dinged a little bit is he's not the most light on his feet, right? When he's climbing second level, when he's on pools, uh, when he's doing those types of things, you know, he's not going to wow anybody. And when you, when you, t- when you think about the guards who have went pretty high in the draft in recent years, the J- Zion Johnson's of the world just comes to my mind. You know, he was an outstanding athlete. Like that was really what kind of put him over the top was his ability to play in space, his ability to, to get out 
second second level and and reach reach linebackers, reach safeties. I'm not sure we're going to be Vorky's strength, but you also want a guy who can you know keep moving at the point of attack. You want a guy that can really you know drive a guy from the B gap to the C gap or the A gap to the B gap and create power inside, and that's what Vorky's does. And so, you know, whether he's going to be a late one guy, an early two guy, all I know is he's going to be a really good NFL player. You know, he's a guy who I think he's going to come in day one, be a starting left guard. You're going to feel really good about it. You know, I, I, I tell you what, I'll take him for the charges right now. Hear that right now. Take him for the charges, put him at left guard, we're cooking with gas, you know. So I, I really like Voorhees. Bradley, you know, it's so interesting what you mentioned. It sounds like Voorhees, you're going to have a kind of an extra eye based on his skill set in that matchup USC at Utah with those thick defensive linemen from the Utes to really see how does Voorhees kind of stack up um, in terms of kind of, you know, his, his power style against that type of line. A, what are some of the things that you're kind of looking for in that matchup, potentially a matchup with Washington in the Pac-12 championship game? Those are kind of the two schools that feel like they have the girth at the D-line position to really give an appropriate test of Voorhees at, at kind of an NFL caliber and B, what type of NFL team in terms of either zone running scheme or just schematically what they do, do you think a guy like Voorhees fits in ideally? Yeah, so, you know, for the first part of your question, obviously Utah is known for those, their big interior defensive linemen, so that's obviously going to be a test. Uh, UW, I, I'm blanking on their, their nose tackle. I know he's a guy, I think he's a younger guy. Cal, I'm not sure if UC plays Cal. Uh, this year, but they have a guy in, along the inside who I think is a really talented player. And if, you know, if Oregon makes the Pac-12 championship game, you know, we have Brandon Dorless, who may not be, you know, the, the strongest and firmest inside, but he's quick. And I think that that could be a good test. I'd love to see how Voorhees handles quickness uh, inside, you know, against a guy who's really kind of explosive with an explosive first step is able to win his edges. That's what I'd want to see um, from Voorhees moving, you know, forward throughout the rest of the season. But, you know, Jamal, uh, Jamal, to your question, I definitely think a team like the Dallas Cowboys, if it was possible to get Warriors literally tomorrow, the difference he could make for that team right now would be insane. You know, obviously they experienced um, a pretty massive injury uh, at their left guard spot. Um, they're, they're, they're struggling big time uh, along with the interior of an offensive line. They have Zach Martin, but other than that, it's, it's a nightmare. Um, and that's really hurting them. And so, you know, a team that's really committed to running the football a team that's really about, you know, the, more of the gap power scheme is where I, I see Voice living and thriving. Those are teams I think, he, you know, would target him late in the first, early second. Baltimore Ravens is another team that comes to mind. Um, you know, teams like that that are really just kind of the gap power focus. Absolutely. And to kind of piggyback off that, so one of the things that we loved about offensive linemen last year was the ability to play multiple positions on the line. Voorhees played at the left tackle last year. And Brentley, you're a Chargers fan. I can see the Chargers home in the background. Jamari Salyer was one of our favorite linemen. This guy's going to be stepping up playing left tackle next week for the Chargers, who was primarily a guard in college. So sometimes, you know, versatility is allows you to get on the football field. If Voorhees can play in multiple different spots, I think that's going to be huge for his NFL draft stock moving forward and maybe he sees the field faster than your typical player um we got to move to a former duck i mean brentley's on the show we got to kind of show out for our guy Travis die. and I, I know it hurts your heart that he did transfer to you mean you mean trader die i, I, I refer to him as <laughs> trader die for me that's 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 what he's known as trader die 
Trader Die is, uh, you know, not beloved right now in Eugene, Oregon, is what it's sounding like. <laughs> but no. he's the all-purpose yards leader coming back from the Pac-12 last year. I love his game. And he was the best player by a mile for USC on offense in that Oregon State game. Just him having these change of pace runs when it looked like the offense was completely lost in the first half at some times. And to kind of compare him to how I think he should be used moving forward, I don't know if he's a day two or a day three pick, but if he can kind of get in a role where Eckler was at, you know, Austin Eckler for the Chargers, this is a guy that. You know, he had 46 catches last year for the Ducks. He's well on his way to another productive pass catching year. And we know what he can do between the tackles. Nearly ran for 1,300 yards. Give me your take on Travis Dye because I think this guy, regardless of where he goes, he's going to make a training camp roster and he's oh, yeah. going to show out. Yeah, you know, tra Travis is uh, – so, I mean, obviously, I've, I've watched every single snap of his at Oregon since he was a true freshman. And he started essentially, you know, at least – was a – Picture in the rotation since his freshman year. So, ton of snaps at Oregon. Um, obviously, the size is, is a concern. I think he's what, 5'8, five, 5'9, five, buck 70, if that. I mean, he's, he's tiny. I mean, let's be real. Um, but he has always, always played way bigger than he is. I think he's an outstanding, I think he's a better inside runner than his outside runner. Mm. His, his instincts running inside are unreal. You know, his ability to feel instubing tacklers, be patient, see cutback lanes, have short area quickness to make defenders miss. Like, really, really impressive. And again, he is strong as hell for his size. He, he runs through tackles. He breaks tackles in the open field. Like, he is a tough son of a gun. And, yeah, it hurts to watch him leave because, you know, he, he, we know how good he was in Eugene. I mean, like, I think he's one of the most underrated players nationally. And, I, you know, I'm still friends with a lot of the West Coast scouts. I mean, you know. I vividly remember after the Ohio State game last year when C.D. Verdell, you know, the former Duck running back, ran for like 250 yards against Ohio State. You know, Duck fans are ready to crown C.J. Verdell as like, you know, fourth, third-round pick, whatever it looks like. And all the West Coast scouts are telling me, hey, we actually like die better than Verdell. Mm. I thought they were crazy, honestly. I, I was kind of drinking the Verdell Kool-Aid as well, but die's skill set just fits what the NFL is doing. You know, his ability to be – uh, you can play him in the slot, his ability to even split out wide, some of the things you can do utilizing him in screens and, and things like that. Like, he's tailor-made for the league. And, and, you know, Eckler is a good comp. I, I would like to see him use like Eckler was in his rookie year. But if they mm -hmm. have Melvin Gordon, you can do tw uh, 21 pony, having two backs in the backfield, split it, you know, uh, 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 flexing, uh, die out wide from, from the backfield and doing creative things like that. Like, Dies and be able to help their offense, but I will say this get this man some gloves because I swear <laughs> to God, I cannot stand watching him without gloves because it's been driving me crazy for five years. Not sure if you guys have noticed it. His, his doesn't wear gloves, it literally infuriates me. But because he's, he's known for fumbles, but I would say fumbles is a bit is obviously his biggest weakness. The mm. guy fumbles the football at a high clip, um, and so I think that's probably one of his bigger knocks, even more so than his size. Tiki Barbaritis, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> Brentley, is there at all a concern? You you mentioned the size. You know, is is the size, is the durability a concern for him at the next level? Obviously, he's going to be in this versatile type of role, but obviously he's not going to be a wide receiver at the next level. He is going to be a running back. 
can he get enough? Can he survive enough in an NFL backfield from a running perspective to be on the field long enough to really utilize his skill set at the next level, which I think is as a pass receiver? How, how do you think teams need to think through that? I, I think so, because he's actually been fairly healthy, you know, throughout his career. I, I would I would say for, for his size, like he only has like minor kind of, you know, just minor injuries here and there, whereas he's never really missed a substantial period of time. Um, so I, I think he'll be fine. You know, the, the thing is, as I mentioned, he has a lot of wear and tear on, his, on those tires. This is a guy who's carried the football a ton at Oregon and now at USC, so that's going to be a concern. But whichever team drafts uh, Travis Dye isn't going to be drafting him to be their bell cow. They're going to be drafting him with the an idea of how they're going to use him. I think about Buffalo Bills when they took James Cook you know, from Georgia. James Cook was a guy who – you know, I think I gave a late three, two, and he went at the back end of the second round because the Bills just targeted him in terms of, hey, we want a receiving back specialist. We don't think you're ever going to be our full-time guy, but for our offense, it's already loaded. We have a, a we have a ready-made role for you to step into. Like, I think it's going to be a situation like that. And Trump's not going to go in the second round. He'll probably go, I was guessing, fifth, sixth. I, I think that's probably his, his, his range. But a team that has a clear ident- like, idea of how they would use him, that's kind of where he's going to find a home. Man, if he keeps that Top Gun mustache, he might be rising <laughs> up draft boards as we know it. We're going to be moving to the 2023 area – or 2024, excuse me, with uh, Caleb Williams and Mario Williams. Uh, and, Brentley, I know you do this way more than we do, so you can call me insane. You can call me whatever you want. There are moments where I look at what Caleb Williams can do with the football, and I think he could be the best quarterback in the next two drafts, and that includes the names of Stroud. That includes the names of Bryce Young. The off-platform throws, the ability to extend plays, the cannon. I mean, we saw the throws against Stanford. Obviously, I'm a little less confident after a game like Oregon State, but he did you know, step up when, needed, was, when he was needed most. He made the play of the game, finding Addison for the touchdown and getting in there. Am I insane for thinking that a guy like Caleb Williams could be the better prospect of these two, you know, big name household, you know, guns coming out of uh, Ohio State and Alabama, respectively? I wouldn't call you insane, um, but let me preface. <laughs> let, 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 let me preface this: I was not a Caleb Williams fan coming into this year. I really wasn't. I did. I wasn't blown away with him at Oklahoma as a freshman. I thought he was. You know, he had a couple games where he was. Pretty special, but for the most part, I thought he was pretty overrated. I mean, sorry. I, I actually mm. thought USC made a mistake letting Jackson Dart out the door based on what I saw from just as as just as freshman. I thought in in, in Dart's sample size compared to Williams' sample size, I thought Dart was a little more impressive. Mm. That being said, for me, Williams like his his inconsistency with his decision making as a freshman last year was mind boggling. Like it, it, he was too much of a risk taker. Didn't didn't understand when the when the play was dead just to just to lift to find another down. Um, didn't really didn't realize how big he was. You know, I, th- I thought he was was smaller than he, than he, what he probably actually is. Um, I didn't see like any elite trait honestly last year as a freshman. I was wrong yet again. I mean, I I, I watching here this year with USC, I definitely see it. I think the arm strength is there. You saw that ball he completed outside. Um, I think it was last week or it was against Stanford. Unreal zip. I mean, ball placement was outstanding. It was a a 15, 10-yard out, opposite hash, 
bullet, only where his guy can catch it. That's special stuff. Um, so, so I definitely definitely think his arm is really strong, really really good velocity, uh, and that's something I questioned, you know, and coming into the entering the year. Uh, Caleb Williams, to me, though, he's a winner. You know, his intangibles is, is outstanding. His ability to feel and evade pressure in the pocket is outstanding. Um, he's, he's an instinctual player. Um, you know, his ability to get out of trouble and make up off platform throws, all outstanding. Um, I don't know if he's as naturally accurate as a guy like Bryce Young is. I think Bryce Young is is just really special. I I, I, I do. Um, I, I I like Bryce Young. I like him over CJ Stroud actually. Um, oh yeah. So, so I, I don't know if I'm ready to go there with Caleb, but I do think if Caleb continues to play at the level he's been playing early on in the season, carry that on into next year, I think we can have those, those conversations. I also just like question like, how big is Caleb? You know, I mean, like honestly, I, I know he's thick. Um, I know he's thick, which is great. I mean, Bryce is Bryce is going to have size issues. He's he's not thick. This Caleb has some you know, mass on him. He can probably take some hits. Is he more of a six foot guy? Honestly, though, is he is he six foot? Like, let's be real. Like, I I don't know if he's six three, um, and, and that, that's not to say that it's gonna be a big difference maker. But I don't know if Caleb's ever gonna be looked at as like a generational type of talent. Um, I'm not saying Bryce or Cedar Stratton is either. I'm not saying that either. But I don't know if Caleb is gonna be that level of a prospect. Um, just because I don't know his size, I really, I really don't. I, I, it's hard for me to tell on, on film, um, and I, and you know, I don't, I'm not really trusting the school's measurements. So um, he just looks smaller to me in terms of his height. Um, but his his playmaking ability is outstanding again, and I just think I need to see it for a more consistent basis before I'm ready to go as far as you are. But I, his talent's <laughs> undeniable. But let me just say that. Totally fair. It's really interesting that you mentioned the size element because as someone who is at all of these games and watching him live week over week at USC, he's definitely closer to a 6'1", you know, six feet and a half, 6'1", than he is to a 6'3". So I think your intuition is spot on there. I think the one one blemish right now with Caleb at these games is, and I think you alluded to it, is the the down-the-field accuracy. You know, he's the, the 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 percentage of incomplete balls that he has over 20 yards is pretty significant. And, you know, there's a lot of balls that are sort of airmailed to the sideline. And he's I think that he's taken kind of that gunslinger mentality of his freshman year and almost over rotated a little bit where he's a little bit too conservative right now. But he's able to get away with it because of a mastery of Lincoln Riley's system year over year. And so, A, the question I'd like to ask you is. How do you rank Young, Stroud, and Caleb right now? You know, who is great in what area and and how do they sort of stack up? And then B, how do you see Caleb's ability to evade pressure at the college level right now? Because he's he's a thicker guy. He's got great feet, but he's not really fast, but he's got great instincts and elusiveness. How do you see that style of evading pressure kind of translating to the next level? So real quick before I answer those questions, I do remember one thing from watching Oregon State that came on mind. I think I tweeted it out. Is Caleb Williams soft a little bit? <laughs> he leaves a lot of yards on the ground, like left to, left to be had on the ground. I vividly remember a play against Oregon State. He had like seven yards ahead of him, but he runs out of bounds. He runs out of bounds way too much for me. 
And honestly, that's probably my biggest knock because, like, I can't be having that if I'm a coach. I'm sorry. I get it. You want to be careful. You don't want to risk injury. That was a that was a tight game. And you were running out of bounds way too much for me. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but I noticed it a lot last week. I was like, yo, you could be getting first downs, but you were choosing to run out of bounds. Like that, I can't have that. So I just want to say that because before I forget it, because I vividly remember me kind of freaking out. I was like, why, what is he doing? Like, what is he doing running out of bounds like that when this is like, it's not a blowout. We're not playing Rice or whoever, right? We're playing Oregon State, who's a good team, probably should have been ranked. Like, you can't run out of bounds. So that's number one. Just wanted to, wanted to say that. Uh, <clears throat> comparing uh, Caleb to CJ Stroud, uh, you know, I, I think their their weaknesses are pretty similar. Honestly, I think I think CJ, you know, his his inaccuracy issues are, are well noted. I think he misses high a ton. Um, you know, I, I think CJ has probably better deep ball accuracy than mm-hmm. than Caleb at this point in time. I think CJ's CJ's touch. I think they're both. They both have pretty good touch, actually. Um, Caleb, I think, is, is is a better. I think Caleb is actually a better athlete mm-hmm. than CJ, even though he doesn't really maximize his athleticism, as I mentioned, because he runs out of bounds. Um, so I, I think Caleb's upside is more than, than mm-hmm. CJ's. I think CJ has a little more consistency down to down in terms of him, you know, in rhythm, down with anticipation. You know, you know, delivering accurate footballs. I think CJ is a little, a little bit more consistent there. But in terms of upside, I would take Caleb in terms of the upside. Um, in terms of Caleb's ability to evade the rush and feel pressure in the pocket, I would argue that's maybe his best attribute as we sit here today. Mm. I think his instincts in the pocket, his ability to, you know, evade defenders, keeping his eyes on the field, still delivering accurate passes, like. That's pretty special stuff. And then unlike a Bryce Young or a Joe Burrow who or Zach Wilson, who I felt all kind of shared those qualities, Caleb has some sturdy legs where even if guys are wrapped around him, he can shed these blockers or, or tacklers, shed these defenders, keeping his base, keeping his platform, and thro- making accurate throws. And I think that's a very, very rare kind of trait that for a quote unquote, you know, shorter guy, like he's stocky. And that's in, you know, Burrow, Wilson, and, and Bryce Sengas don't have that. Um, so I actually think that's probably one of his best attributes as we see here today. Yeah. And I mean, Stroud, you look at the numbers and what he's been able to do. Our friend of the show, Ben Fennel, tweeted this out. Stroud has thrown 59 touchdowns to seven interceptions with 72% completion percentage as a starter at Ohio State. But where I would pivot back, is has any quarterback maybe in the history of college football, I mean, Joe Burrow comes to mind immediately, had more receiving talent than this guy has had when you look at the Olaves, the Garrett Wilsons, Smith and the Jig, but we saw what he did New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., I know you saw the Dane Brugler tweet. He goes, this guy would be the best receiver in this year's class. And he's got him. Egbuka is this new guy coming out that was like, who the hell is this guy? I have never in my life seen this many. And I know Burrow, you know, he had Jefferson, he had Chase. I mean, this guy. I mean, Jamison Williams had to transfer from that school just to get playing time. And this guy is a top 15 pick. So, you know, all credit to Stroud, but there could be a little bit of Matt Leinart syndrome in there where he's surrounded by so much talent. I want to see him when, you know, 
he doesn't have the best receivers. He's got to dig out a drive and make something happen. So when draft process comes, that's going to be one of the big questions I have about Stroud moving forward. We got to pivot to UCLA. And this is probably the guy that I, and Madman as well, we are most fired up about coming into this draft because we spent this entire offseason going nuts against people on Twitter saying that this guy is not a quote-unquote top five running back coming into this draft. Zach Charbonnet is the man, better known as the Terminator to those who don't know. Charbonnet, I know, I granted, was a weaker running back class last year from everything I've heard. They said he was a bona fide top five running back. But what this guy possesses at six foot one, 220 pounds of just lean muscle. This guy looks like he's entering the Mr. Olympic contest as soon as the football game ends. He can run inside, he can run outside. And I mean, yes, it was Colorado this past weekend. But if you look at the tape of this six foot one, 220 pound bull running in the open field, making defenders miss. He shook this Colorado safety that's still trying to regain his balance at this point in the open field. Give me your thoughts on Charbonnet because we look at some of these lists and they don't even have him as a top five, top seven running back going to the NFL draft. And for me, it's just hard to believe that that could be the case for a guy that's built like a Greek God at the tailback position. I'll, I will say this. I definitely think he made a mistake coming back. I think yeah. I tweeted that out. He made a mistake. I think it's funny, but this, this year's class is significantly better than last year's class. Um, I think he made a mistake. I think he would have been, you know, after Brees Hall, after Ken Walker, you know, he's in that kind of, he could have been RB3. I mean, really, I mean, I, I thought he made a mistake. But that being said, you know, the skill set, you got to love it. I mean, Zach Sharvin, as you mentioned, um, outstanding vision. He runs with good patience, uh, really runs square between his pads, breaks a lot of tackles. Um you know, really good power, contact balance. Um, I, I really like his game. I think he, he's underrated as a receiver. You saw him last year make a ton of really impressive catches outside of his frame. Chips uh, flex him out out wide. You saw him run routes like he's he's getting he's getting uh, labeled as just like a power back in a in a committee. He's more than that. He's definitely more than that. I think he's a guy. You know, you draft end of two, early three, he could be a future guy. I, I really I really do believe that. For me, though, and why I'm not as fired up a sharpener as I was entering the summer, because I was. like This time, I'd say right on draft season last year for 22 drafts, you know, and we when we were beginning summer scouting, I was ready to call Charbonnet like a top three player. Like I was all in on Zach Charbonnet. On my second watch in this summer – I cooled on him a little bit. And one of the reasons why, and this is a preference for me, but I like my backs to have some home run speed. And I don't know if Charbonnet truly has that at the next level. I, I get it. He, he does break some long runs, but I never, ever, ever see him against faster defenders, defeating angles. He's never going to be a guy, defensive coordinator, stay up at night saying, holy shit, like, Sorry, I hope, hope, hopefully you can catch on this podcast. My bad. You can uh, <laughs> and he's never going to be a guy where it's like, we're playing him the next Sunday, and we're just terrified because we're facing Zach Charbonnet. And it's not, it's not a knock against him. Like he can still be very, very productive. Like There's a lot of good running backs that you're not going to say that about. But I just need a second gear that I don't think he possesses. So because of that, I think I gave him a, a solid three, where originally I think I had him as an early kind of mid to mid two. 
So again, I love the player. I do. But when you're asking me why, maybe like, I don't know if I would have my top five backs. And to be honest, I can't even name a top five backs off the top of my head. I, maybe I can. Beachon Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Sean Tucker. Devin Akane, uh, no Zach way. Evans, Tank Bigsby. What do you look See, at? I would say I would take Charbonnet over Tank Bigsby. That's a perfect example. I would definitely take Charbonnet over Tank Bigsby. Um, I'd need to look at my big board, but anyways, yeah. So Zach Charbonnet is probably around there. I, I just, I just wish he had a little more juice. Just a little more juice, tubing through the hole in an open field. I just wish he had a little more juice. And similar, I mean. Isaiah Spiller, you know, who was drafted in the fourth round, he, I think he was my RB1 entering the or of last year's draft, and he went in the fourth round. I think there's a lot of similarities between Spiller and, and Charbonnet, and I think he, uh, Spiller felt because, quite frankly, he lacks that second gear, that kind of breakaway speed. Um, so, again, I, I love Charbonnet. I, I think he needs to – I want to say he hasn't been, like, that that productive this year, besides besides last week, he's, he's definitely kind of started off slow. I think the whole UCLA program started off slow. Um, so hopefully they can kind of get it, get it together and, and he can string a couple big big games together because I feel like he's like the forgotten man. You know, uh, no one's talking about Charbonnet. This time last year, he was like in national news and, 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 and really kind of in the headlines. I feel like he's not in the headlines right now. And in a loaded running back class, it's not what you want. Friendly, it's it's interesting you talk about kind of that that last gear there and, and and some of your concerns. It also seems like at the start of this season, Chip is being very conscious about knowing that he's got a running back with an NFL future and not kind of overly taxing him this first month against lesser competition. I'd love to kind of get your take on obviously there's so much to like his ability to shed tackles. You talked about his base, his balance you know, very underrated as a receiver and explosiveness there out, out of the backfield. How do you see him kind of stacking up with the Bijan Robinsons and, and some of the others here in this class? And in your mind, what maybe separates those guys from Charbonnet and what could Charbonnet show you on tape besides the ability to kind of break away for you to really kind of be a bullish on him once again? Uh. Well, I mean, quite frankly, I don't think there's anything Charbonnet can do to get near Bjorn Robinson or Jameer Gibbs for me. I, I think they are – those two are head and – I think both of them are special talents. So I don't think Charbonnet can do anything to, to get to their, to get to that level. You know, their ability to make defenders miss, their ability to you know, change direction, their hips for bigger players. I mean, their suddenness in the open field is, is, is really special. I don't think Charbonnet has any of that. Um you know, I'd love to see a little more juice out of Charbonnet in the open field. I'd love to see his ability to defeat angles a little better. Um, I thought he was actually underrated in terms of like, getting out of trouble when things weren't blocked, uh, blocked up great. But his hips are actually not as tight as people make him out to be. Like, I think he has some wiggle for a bigger back, and, and that's something I actually like, really think he does have. I would love to see, just to see more of it. You know, I, I think anything he can continue to do to shed the stigma of him just being a – you know, inline power back, you know, all he does is break tackles and he needs to be a, a, a B back in a committee. That's only going to help raise his stock. And again, I don't see him like that way. I recognize he's a talented player. He can be a three down back and he has a lot more value than just in between the tackles and goal line situations. I, I see it. But when you're asking me what he can do to actually raise his stock in the eyes of other evaluators, in the eyes of like NFL decision makers, 
it's the other things. You know, continue showing him as a receiver, continuously showing you can make defenders miss, showing an extra gear, and then, sh- again, showing the kind of wiggle in your hips uh, to change direction and things like that. That's what I think will really help Charbonnet stock. The third most missed tackles or forced missed tackles in the history of the Pac-12, according to PFF, at 69 last year. Um, big fan of Charbonnet. I think we can revisit this after the year. Maybe you could tell if he's top five, top five or not. We love our guy Charbonnet. Um, Brentley, we just kind of got some general questions now that we kind of wrapped up the top L.A. prospects. Last year's draft was very heavy in the trenches. Great defensive linemen, great offensive linemen. What are some position groups that you've seen just, you know, at the beginning of this process going into the 2023 draft that have really stood out to you in terms of depth and, you know, players being, you know, multi-players just coming out from all different areas? It's a really good year if you need a corner. I mean, outstanding year if you need a corner. You talk about, you know, Keely Ringo, Eli Ricks, the two SEC kids. The Pac-12 has two guys, I mean, three guys who I like. I mean, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, who I think is the best. Uh, he's a Colorado transfer. He's been nothing but outstanding. Um, and obviously, Caillou Blue Kelly, who he, he has NFL pedigree. He'll be he'll be an early round pick, even after the Jordan Addison embarrassment. Uh, and then Clark Phillips is another guy who I like. You know, he's, he's an undersized guy, but he's feisty. You know, maybe he'll be in Nickel at the next level, but he, he's, a, he's a competitor. I really like him. Uh, Big Ten has some guys, uh, Joey Porter Jr., Penn State has been outstanding this year. Really talented player. Uh, Garrett Williams from uh, Syracuse is another guy. So corners to me is is arguably the best in this draft. And then edge defenders. I mean, obviously, Willie Anderson, my God. I mean, think of Khalil Mack if Khalil Mack had a little more bend. Like, that's what he is. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's unreal how good he is. Von Miller uh, and Khalil Mack had a baby. Yeah. No, but literally, like, literally. Yeah, you take Khalil Mack's 2015 season with the Raiders when he won Defensive Player of the Year, put him in an Alabama jersey. That's what was playing last year in the SEC. It was insane watching him actually like evaluating him. Incredible. So Will Anderson, uh, Will Murphy from Clemson is a guy I really like. Um, Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame, talented player. Uh, Tyree uh, Wilson from Texas Tech, another good good edge rusher. Um, I'm forgetting one, but. Yeah, Ed Rusher is, is a really, really talented uh, position group. Um, I mean, what else? Re- I mean, receiver. Uh, I, I do like Addison, uh, Smith and Jigba, Butte. I think those are the solid good three. Uh, Quentin Johnson from TCU, Josh Downs from North Carolina, uh, Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. Like those are those are some talented uh, uh, receivers. Tight ends loaded. Michael Mayer, Donnell Washington, um, uh, Sam La- Sam Laporta. Uh, Eric Eric Gilbert from from Georgia, um, the Utah kids. I mean, this is this is a loaded uh, tight end or tight end class as well. I'm trying to think what else is there. Uh, I, I say that's really those three positions are, you know, where I, where I definitely I mean, even quarterback. If I'm being honest, quarterback is yeah. actually that's really really question. good. Cor- yeah, this quarterback class is highly intriguing. Um, you know, obviously you have the top four. Right between, and this is how I would rank him currently. Um, but this is obviously subject to change immensely uh, during the years. Bryce Young, uh, Will Levis, CJ Stroud, and then Anthony Richardson. I think that's Whoa. a clear, wow. that's a clear, that's a clear top four for me. Um, with with Richardson having the potential to be number one. Like you know, if, I mean, 
I saw him against Utah. I mean, again, it, it's a small sample size, but like, if he can do that, we can week out. He will be the number one pick, and that's a fact. Whoa. Um, well, I don't think he'll go over Bobby Anderson, but he will be the number one quarterback if he can continue to play as he did in Utah. And he hasn't so far. He really hasn't. Like, he struggled a little bit. So he needs to kind of recapture the momentum. But his talent on the upside, he can ascend to the number one quarterback easily, in my opinion. Um, five, honestly, you know, I think Tyler Van Dyke is the popular name. Definitely not. He's out. Hendon Hooker. So that's another name. I, I I haven't seen him. Admittedly, haven't seen him. The two guys I've seen in back-to-back weeks, I'm an Oregon guy. Jaron Hall, BYU, Cam Ward, Washington State. Mm. The talent out of those two players is immense. And I mean, like, very, very, very talented players. I would take both of them over Tanner McKee. I would take both of them over Tyler Van Dyke. Like, I would already put them four or five and six in my rankings right now. I think those two guys, they're pretty raw, but the talent is immense. And, like, I'm willing to bet on those traits see what my quarterback coach can get out of them because, like, if you can hit on them, like, you're hitting on a high-end NFL player. So I'd say that's would be my top six quarterbacks in order right now would be, what I say, Young, Levis, Stroud, Richardson, Sharon Hall, BYU, and then Cam Ward. Mm. Wow. Wow. Brentley, you know, shocking waves here. I love it. You know, Really, tell me a little bit about what is what do you like about Richardson so much? You know, he seems to be a bit of a polarizing guy, you know, in, in, in kind of the college football narrative, especially where he was with Florida. You know, it was Dan Mullen last year and everything that's going on now with the new system. What is it about Richardson's skill set that really jumps off the page for you? What is he, 6'6", six, six, rocket arm, runs like a deer? You know, I, I hate I hate to- – to make it so simple, but that's, that's what that's what wins in the NFL. It, it really is the bigger, faster, you know, stronger players. It, it's a big man league. It, it just quite frankly is. And and you know, if if, it, if it's even remotely close from a passing standpoint in terms of the accuracy, the decision making, just the overall kind of poise as a quarterback between Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, it's not even a conversation. It's really not. And obviously, we're, we're wanting Richardson to take some of these next steps, show that consistency as a passer, show that he has the ability to consistently read defenses, get the ball out on time with, uh, with good decision-making. We still need to see it from a game-by-game basis, but, like, his level of upside and just potential is undeniable. It really is. I mean, it's, it's freakish. Um, and I just know, having been, been in those rooms, been in those meetings – Knowing how the NFL kind of wants to, to 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 go with in these in these decisions, he's not going to get out of the first round. Like it's just not happening. You know, it's, it's I'd be shocked if he's on the top ten. Like he he is just too talented. You know, we've seen worse players drafted in the top ten at quarterback. Like this guy is, I, I you know I, maybe maybe I'm getting on early, but the the the, tr- the hype train that we're going to see after the season is going to be ridiculous, but it's going to, it's so, it's so obvious. Like happens every year. It's going to be, holy crap. You see his pro day. Like, are you, you know, all it's might as well just get on now, you know, honestly, you might as well just get on now. It's crazy to me because you're the, I've heard Richardson first round. You saying he could be number one overall. You have credence in the draft world. This is giving me thoughts that this could potentially happen. 
when you look at just kind of the raw numbers and the interceptions he's had in the first few, I mean, he's two touchdowns, five picks on the year. I mean, that's not, that doesn't scream first rounder to me. I know what he can do with the ball. I know how he can throw it down the field, but for me, I just get, you know, Malik Willis vibes. It's more of what this guy can do as opposed to consistently seeing it on tape. You know what I mean? It's Demarcus Russell kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, I mean, look, like the, the, the interceptions, you know, not all our interceptions are equal. You know, I, I can't really speak to the supporting cast. He's playing with at Florida. You know, obviously they were down pretty bad. They had to bring in a new coach. So I'm not sure he's playing. You know, he's, he ain't playing with, with Jordan Addison. He ain't playing with Marvin Harrison Jr. Or he's not playing yeah. with, uh, you know, their Alabama receivers, right? So I'm not sure his supporting cast is helping him very much. But that being said, you're right. I mean, if – the, the, my whole point was if Richardson did wasn't two and five TV in, in ratio, it wouldn't be close. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it really wouldn't be. Like it would not be close. Richardson would be by far and away the number one overall pick if we didn't have these concerns. And I'm admitting the concerns are very valid, like 100. percent I'm just letting you guys know, like the minute he starts cleaning it up even a little bit, it's just how it's going to happen. Like it's it's it's. It's, it's always how it always happens, how it's always going to happen, you know. Um, the teams would rather not draft Bryce Young. Is what, you know, if, if, if there was another option, they'd rather take the bigger guy, you know. Mm. I mean, it's always, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield's probably the one example where he went above Sam Donald, um, and that was a shocker to many, you know. Um, but as teams try and try to find the Josh Allens, the Herberts, even the Mahomes, like, like just the the specimens at the position, like they would ideally never want to take a Bryce Young if I don't have to. And I love Bryce Young; he's not a more quarterback. I'm just saying from a size standpoint, like these NFL general managers and owners, like they want the bigger, stronger guy. Um, you know, that's just kind of how it is. And I'll and I'll be honest; I mean, Malik Willis, everyone loved him. I didn't love him. You know, mm-hmm. I I kind of take it as clear in a way QB1. And I think I was I was the only one at the draft network that had that, you know, and then you know I, I'm just I'm just gonna be honest with you guys, you know, Malik Willis ain't six five. You know, he's he's six feet. You know, so it's just it's just a fact of the matter. You know, Anthony Richardson's size and athleticism and arm talent is just rare and the minute he puts it together, he's gonna be a top five pick. We just got a couple more questions too. I want to kind of piggyback off the quarterback thing a little bit more. A couple quarterbacks I also like, Will Rogers from Mississippi State. DJ Ugalele has kind of rebuilt his draft stock a little bit with dueling with Sam Hartman last week in Wake Forest. He's in, Sam Hartman's another guy we could talk about too, potentially there. Uh, but you mentioned Levis over C.J. Stroud. That was the other kind of surprising point in your top four quarterbacks. I just read the ESPN article about Levis, you know, Kentucky is singing this guy's praises. He's the new god of Kentucky, if there is one. Give me your thoughts on Levis and what makes him, you know, higher than a guy like Stroud when I think the world is going, Stroud's number two, or at least number one. What makes Levis the guy for you? It's splitting hairs. Let me just say that between the three of them. I think it's I'm splitting hairs. I'm just going with preference. Will Levis reminds me of a maybe – more erratic Herbert in terms of the body, the arm mm. strength, the velocity, the ability to create with his legs. Like 
this kid has a whip as an arm, like not a cannon, but a whip, just, just as fast, as quick. It just ball gets to point A to point B in a hurry, right? The zip he puts on the ball is really, really special. And I think it's significantly better than, than, than CJ Stroud's. I don't think it's comparable, honestly, in terms of like the, the velocity they put on the ball. Will Levis is, is head and shoulders. Um, you know, Will Levis has some issues in terms of his accuracy at, at times. I thought entering this year, that was a big question mark for him. I think he's been really, really, really exceptional this year. I think he's cleaned up a lot of his issues. I think he's just taking really firm command of this new offense. And I just feel like he has higher upside than both Stroud and Young. Stroud, like, I'm going to be in the minority. I'm, I, I'm not going to like Stroud as much as, as most as many. I don't know what is, is he, what is his elite trait. And I don't know what it is. And if mm. I can't say that, like, I, I have a hard time, like, envisioning me ever falling in love with the CJ Stroud. And I'll probably be in the minority. He's not my cup of tea. Like, Will Levis, I know what his elite trait is. Rocket arm. Freaking six five, um, just an athlete. Like he has elite physical tools. Bryce Young, maybe the most special instincts for a quarterback I've seen since Joe Burrow. Like no. that, it's 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 off the charts. I don't know. I don't know what Stroud is. I don't. I don't know. You know. And, and I recognize he's the production. I recognize he's a winner. Like. I, rec- I recognize the growth from last year to where he's at now. It's it's significant. I just don't have an elite trait I can really hang my hat on, and, and that's where I struggle with CJ Stroud. Still, still like him, still love him, but I just don't know if like I'll be you know bang him. I'll, I'll ever have him as QB one. I don't know if I ever will. Yeah, but one mm-hmm. one quarterback though, one quarterback who I didn't mention who probably the biggest fan of in the country in terms of in the media. Who you guys probably know and love as well, Jake McGamer or Hainer, Fresno State. Oh, yeah, is my freaking guy. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, honestly, if there was one quarterback that I was like, hey, like, look, maybe he'll be like a low level starter the next, the next level. Maybe he'll be the best back in the league. But if I'm in the third round, I'm taking my shot. I'm taking my shot with Jake Hainer. Like, I think his his accuracy, his just his toughness. His instincts, his playmaking ability. You put Jake Hanner somewhere other than Fresno State. I think his skill set is translatable. You know, I, I think he has a strong arm for for his size, and he's a good athlete. Like, yeah, I, I think I think he's so underrated. I, I love me some Jake Hanner. Hanner's really, it's so uh, kind of refreshing to hear you say that because. I think on the West Coast, we were robbed of really a classic game a couple oh, of God. weeks between Fresno State and SC. You know, his ankle injury, that was headed for a 21-17 third quarter, and it was going to be game on. And, and his accuracy live was just absolutely special. Even oh, that, first, unreal. that first drive where they punted, I mean, he throws this sort of out route for 22 yards in the receiver's hands. The guy drops it. I mean, it was maybe the most impressive throw on both sides I saw all night. So, you know, you saying Hayner is really, I think, uh, a keen insight there. And I think what I love about your analysis is that, you know, we've kind of thought similarly that, you know, these guys, the, if you look at the, the state of the NFL the last 10 years and you look at the guys who have won MVP, it's never really the guys that have come from the blue chip schools that have advantages at every position. 
It's those guys that take the four or five win teams and elevate them to eight, nine win teams and take them to kind of an elite bowl game. And when you talk about Levis, you talk about Richardson, they're certainly trying to fit that mold. So it's really interesting to hear you say that because that's something that, you know, we at the LAFB have really noticed that quite a bit as well. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, the quarterbacks on the West Coast, man, this is a this is a year. This is an absolute year. You know, we didn't even name Cam Rising. You know, yeah. Bo Nix, I'm sorry, I gotta say, he takeaways three interceptions, which admittedly have been crushing. Right. His interceptions are not like other people's interceptions. They are backbreaking. <laughs> Take those three out. He's been he's been outstanding this year, guys. I'm t- I don't know if how much Oregon has watched. He has been outstanding this year for the Ducks. I guess take, take those three plays. He's a talented guy. I got to say, was not a fan at Auburn. I mean, I, I am like neither, me neither. not <laughs> high on him at all. The Washington State game I watched last week in those oh two God. drives, I mean, he led on to win the game. He really put it all together. So take I got to away that pick. Game. That might have been one of the best quarterback games I've seen all year from any school. I think he was. I think he was like incompleted three passes and he threw for four hundred yards. Like it was, he was money. But again, it's on the West Coast. I mean, it's it's a loaded year. The the Washington kid. I didn't, I didn't even mention um Bob Penix. Yep. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I hope he calms down because I don't want to play him. I mean, crap. Like he's looking hella good. So, you know, it, it's a loaded year on the West Coast. Um, great for the conference. You know, it, it's 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 been it's been a really good year for football. Brentley, we're great football, so I'm going to wear my protective cup before asking you this question because I'm ready for it. I'm ready to really brace for it. Three polarizing letters in a sequence I'm going to give you, and I want your thoughts. DTR. Uh, so I, 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 work, I work DTR. I, I, I work with him. I know, I know him personally. Um, the best kid, you know, you love him. Like, he, he, he works hard. He, he's – a guy you really appreciate. He just doesn't have an NFL skill set. You know, he doesn't. You know, he's a really good athlete. Um, he's a live arm, but the decision making is always inconsistent. He always leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and he's a fifth year starter. You know, it's like you know, you got you got you got to give me more than what you're giving me for a fifth year starter. You're undersized. Like, I think he's probably gonna. I, he's not. He won't get drafted. I'd be shocked if he gets drafted. Um, you know, probably. You know, I don't want. I don't want to come down. The kid's probably going to be in Canada. You know, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, and I, I kind of have seen something similar to you as well. And you kind of hit the nail on the head. Fifth year, we were expecting a jump, especially after how he finished against SC, kind of slaying uh, that dragon. You know, even if it was a poor SC team, that's such a big win for a kid like Dorian. And then the cow game, and then we didn't get the holiday bowl. So he was kind of riding a hot streak to end last year. And the first three games, just man, it just felt like ah, you just you're kind of the same guy, which is yeah, starter. And you're an Oregon fan, Brentley, so you know this. Chip's guys are the Jeremiah Masolis, the Darren Thomases, these type of quarterbacks, very good college players, very effective players, not necessarily pro quarterbacks when all of a sudden. Let me say this. I'll be the first to crap on Chip, and I love Chip. Like, did I enjoy working for Chip? Absolutely not. Even though it wasn't, really, it wasn't his fault per se, but um, you know, working just as in recruiting for someone who doesn't like recruiting, you know, make it make sense. Got out of there quick. But I do love Chip as a person, and I will never 
ever let anyone say that Chip can't call an offense. Mm. Till this day, I think he's still in college football. I can't name you four better play callers than Chip Kelly. I'm, I probably can't name you three. But that, that's really how I feel, and I'll go. I'll die saying that. On, when it comes to game day coaching, I think there's very few better coaches than Chip Kelly, like, just in terms of the game plan and things like that. There's zero excuse for DTR. This is your fifth year. Yeah. You should be competing for the Heisman Trophy. Like, that's, that's honestly how I yeah. feel. Like, yes. and, 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 and as a fifth-year senior with that athleticism, in Chip Kelly's offense, I think you've been in it for at least four years. What are you doing? And that, and 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 I, I would have, I probably would have, if Chip Kelly had another option, I know he probably would want to go some go in the other direction. Like that's probably what that's probably what Gabriel. My be. Dylan Gabriel was committed to transferring to UCLA. Oh God, UCLA, UCLA then, would be a problem right now if they had Dylan Gabriel. Really oh, one can dream. Would be a problem friend. if they had Dylan Gabriel. One can dream, my friend. One can dream. We got to. Are you guys going to recruit out of high school or what? You know, transfer you. What's going on with UCLA, man? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you, that, you whatever it said. What was that tweet? That's yeah. tough. Chip did not endorse that. Um, yeah, but like you're right. Like what? What is a worse job than recruiting for a guy that hates recruiting? Like nothing's going to go well in that scenario. So, Brentley, we are on your side, my man. You have been so awesome coming out, uh, you know, setting aside basically an hour to speak with us. So, dude, we are in your good services for as long as we can with the good people at LAFB. I'm going to let you finish on one question. And I want to hear who you were high on in the draft that was a kind of a lower-tier prospect that you were right on and who was somebody that you thought was going to be this all-star player that you whiffed on. Cause we all have them in the draft process, Brentley. And I think this is a fitting way to kind of sign off as we get into draft season for ourselves and draft is in session. Sure. I think just, just from last year's class uh, off the top of my head, players who I was significantly higher on than everybody else. Your guys, your guys, guy, Kyle Phillips. I mean, yes. Yes, I was. I think I think your boy Ryan was also high. I mean, I remember me and him were tweeting throughout the year, um, whether who was first or not. But I, I mean, I get Cal Phillips second round grade, and I was laughed at. Let me honest, I was just laughed at. But I don't really care. Like, I know what he is. I know what I'm going to get. I've seen him in person. I know the mindset he has. I gave him second round grade and forgot about it. You know, I don't. I don't really care what anyone else thought. So, I feel like I've been proven right there at least early on in the year. I mean, starting as a rookie, you know. Um, so that's obviously one. Um, another guy, Nick Cross, who was a guy I really liked, uh, safety out of Maryland. He's, 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 I think he went in the third round. I thought he should have been like an early second. I thought he was pretty outstanding. Yeah. You know, one name from this is probably my biggest flex ever, uh, was Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Oh, yeah. Oh. I vividly remember, you know, and I'm new to the whole media thing. As you mentioned, I worked for a team, yada, yada, yada. So I, I wasn't used to putting my takes on Twitter and getting like flack and heat and stuff. <laughs> I remember people on Twitter like would come at me because I refused to move off my Rousseau as a top 15 player in that class. And I remember he started out in the summer as a top like five guy, didn't play. Then everybody just, oh, he ran a slow three cone. He can't bend or whatever the hell it was. And people thought that guy couldn't play. People thought he was like a fourth round pick. And I'm just like, dude, what changed from the summer to now when he did, literally didn't play? His sophomore year, he had 15 sacks. 
The kid is 6'7". He's explosive and he can bend and he's good at stopping the run. What are you guys doing? And it's just the group think of draft Twitter. It's honestly a joke. I, I'm, part of it, I'm, a, I'm sometimes ashamed to be a part of it, honestly. Um, but I'm, I'm one who's never going to move off my takes. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But like, I never shifted Rousseau down. And then I remember this Twitter guy, because on the final mock I had him as a top, I think I had him as a top 20 pick. He ended up going like 28, 27 to the Bills in the first round. And this guy's like calling me, you know, a joke saying Brentley's too arrogant to admit his mistake for having Rousseau in the first round. I'm like, not only did he go in the first round to a playoff team, the Bills, who can validate talent, he is one of their best players on their defense right now. Outstanding player in Gregory Rousseau. So that's probably my biggest win, quote unquote, in the media, just because like this 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 group think that people have is, is insane to me. Like if you like your son in the summer, what change? Besides right. your colleagues that you're seeing on Twitter moving him down. And so that's probably my biggest one. But my worst mistake though actually was when I was with the Chargers and it was Taven Bryan. The Florida defensive tackle, man, I was in love with him. Like, I thought he was going to be just Fletcher Cox. You know, just first step of quickness, penetrating defensive tackle, get you eight sacks. Obviously, he's on his second team right now, third team. So, that, that, was a, that was a whiff on my end. I love to hear it, man. Well, Brentley, we love you for coming on here, brother. You're welcome here anytime. Draft is in session. is officially back for LA Football Network. We are officially.